Welcome to One Hit Wonderful, the podcast where we're revisiting all those amazing reality shows that only had one season. Today, we're going to delve deeper into high society. I'm your host, Frank Pezzanite III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. Um, so, do you have, I only have a tiny bit of house cleaving before we um, re-immerse ourselves into this wonderful world of horrible, horrible, <laughs> horrible people. Yeah. Um, um, no, kick it off. Go for it. I, it's just one thing. Well, first of all, Heather um, uh, really nicely wished us both happy Thanksgiving. So thank you very much, Heather, and happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Um, and then Chris M. Massey one sent us one of Jason Roller's really hysterical TikToks um, where it's Lauren talking about, you know, going to Paris at the, um, uh, Lauren being chastised for being the girl who didn't go to Paris and spending the summer with her boyfriend. And then um, Jason's picture pops up on the side with a song saying, hey, it's me. And it was very cute and funny. So thank you for sending that along, Chris. What's the problem? It's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it? That's all your house cleaning? That's it. Okay, well, we did make a mistake when we recorded last time because we forgot uh -oh. we forgot to congratulate Spencer and Heidi on the birth of their baby. Yes. Um, and what is the child's name again? Uh, like Monster Truck? I don't know. Riker. Riker. <laughs> um, and I want to know why it's not on Instagram, everybody. I apparently Spencer has been Snapchatting the child. But there are no official... like even just yesterday, there was one of him in bed with the baby on his chest and Gunner like laying next to him. And he was like, all the prop boys together. Like he's been Snapchatting nonstop about the baby. Fascinating. Well, here, because I wonder if Heidi is. I, I, just, I believe I, I follow both of them. I checked both of their Instagrams. There are a lot of pregnancy photos and I do not see a newborn in any of these. Okay, hold on. Here's Heidi's Snapchat. She's doing her makeup. She's hanging out front she's getting coffee she's getting oxygen with gunner well that's annoying uh yeah i don't see the baby at all on hers she's oh there it is there's the baby interesting okay at home i'm yeah, going so to snapchatting I'm going to assume it's because they're aiming for us weekly or something like that because i didn't even see it on the daily mail um, where did, well, I saw it on Snapchat when she's going to the hospital. Right. When you told me she had had her baby, I didn't even know. Oh, so maybe it is like a spawn con thing. Yeah. Anyway, we congratulate well, them. Well, now when my Us Weekly shows up, <laughs> if they're on it in some capacity, I'll know. Oh, it did make the Daily Mail. I stand corrected, but I missed it. November 18th. Okay. I mean, I feel like if it was going to be an Us Weekly or whatever, it would have happened already. But I, because it hasn't happened yet, but I'll, I'll get one this week, so it'll, it'll, I'll check. I guess. Anyway, congratulations on the birth of Riker. R Y K E R. I mean, what the Gunner and Right? What the fuck? Like, are they going to grow up to be start a regime? I don't know. Um, when <laughs> I mentioned it to my husband and said, "Oh, Heidi Montag had her baby, and we forgot to announce it. We're so dumb," and he said what did they name it? And I said, Riker. And he said, like the island, as in the prison. <laughs> <laughs> Different spelling, but I don't, I wonder if Heidi and Spencer know that. So I'm going to go with no. Anyway, 
So for episode six, the uninvited, uh, the snob story, which is technically our last one because we're skipping Tinsley, um, unless something really interesting happens in seven or eight and we want to cover someone else, this is officially the last snob story. And it is Dale Mercer. Oh, Dale. Not that there's not a lot about Dale we don't know. I'll put that out there first. Um, the interesting tidbits I found were more about Dale's father and her marriage and just random things. We know what Dale is up to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Dale is the daughter of William Lewis Tatum and Oteen Baird Tatum. That's a name I've never heard. Oteen. I've never heard it either. O-T-I-N-E. Okay. Never and heard for, it. Yeah. For a minute, I thought it was the French name Ontine, but it's not. So, Oteen. <laughs> That's what I'm calling her. Um, interestingly enough, Tinsley's grandfather sounds like a gem of a human being. So, I went down a rabbit hole reading about him. And actually, Dale's father, William, outlived Tinsley's father. So, her grandfather oh. outlived her father. Um, he passed away in 2018 at age 95. Oh, wow. And he was married to Oteen for 69 years. She actually passed away four years before him at age 87. So we have some Holy good, strong... Jesus. Yeah, we got some good, strong genes there. Whoa, 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 whoa. How old was she when she died? 87. Okay, so there she was 20 when she got married. All right. For a minute, I was going to be scandalized, but... No. If they're... Oh, no. If they were married for 69 years, no. She was... Oh, 18. I guess that was normal back then. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty young. Yeah, um, I mean, that's the time period. That's normal. Yeah. So as we already sort of alluded to, I believe, William worked for Chesapeake and Potomac Telephone Company. And yeah, he worked there for 44 years. His his life is like a classic novel. Like these things don't happen anymore. Well, um, he worked there or he owned it? I thought he owned it or started it. No, he worked there. He was in management for, you know, and he worked there for a long time, but he was not anyone more prominent than than i thought um really yeah i I, first, I don't know why for some reason i thought he like owned it or was president that's shocking to me right but i will say like this sort of life is just so old school and the only living example that i know are my in-laws my my father-in-law worked for the government for 36 years and he and my mother-in-law have been married almost 50. Oh, wow. And it's it's wild. So I, w I was just sort of touched reading about Tinsley's grandfather. So he worked for Chesapeake and Potomac Telephone Company for 44 years. And he was famously hard of hearing, which my father-in-law also is, and my husband and his family. Um, so this was quoted in William's obituary. Because of his hearing loss, Lewis enjoyed helping other impaired individuals, volunteering for years at the Virginia Commission for the Blind. Oh, this man is was too sweet for words, apparently. Was very interested in board games, really crushed um, life when his wife passed away. Like his obituary is very sweet, and he became friends with several of the people who worked at the like senior home, apparently. Just sounded like a gem of a human being. So enjoy that obituary if you want to, William Lewis Tatum. So anyway, back to Dale. <laughs> She got her bachelor's from Meredith College and her master's from the Harvard Extension School. She okay. married George Riley Mercer II, as we know, who was a real estate developer, an architectural consultant, a partner in Mercer Rug and Carpet, 
and the Gill Corporation and the George Marshall Corporation. Men, men of many jobs and talents, apparently. They were married for 28 years before they divorced. And I believe Tinsley alluded to it on The Real Housewives because I somewhat remember hearing about it. Her father was a terrible alcoholic. Um, yeah. And I'm, I assume that's part of what the divorce was about. Also because Dale controlled George's money even after they separated. Oh. And I, I wonder if he was somewhat unfit. Maybe, yeah. And when you do some Googling about Tinsley's dad, it's actually very sad. Um, he got married twice, technically, after Dale. Um, I don't know that one was legal. He got famously kicked out of the plaza, I believe, for storming the stage during a concert or performance while he was drunk. It's it's sad. And he died of complications from alcoholism, too. Well, now that makes a lot more sense as to why on Housewives, Dale was so like a tat, like we carried his ashes around in a box and was like, oh, your father, your father, your father. I, I think it's very different to lose someone to alcoholism. Like, I mean, I'm sure that's why they got divorced. I'm sure it wasn't that she didn't love him or whatever. It was just yeah. like, I can't do this anymore. So that makes a lot more sense. It makes sense when you think about her trying to protect Tinsley's marriage to Topper too. Yeah. She, she for 28 years, must have had this spirit almost like, this isn't that bad. I can do this. I still yeah. care for him. And so to see Tinsley say, this isn't perfect. This isn't the fairy tale I want. You know, what Dale wants to say is that marriage isn't a fairy tale. Um, but it's it's very sad when you think about it. And that's a very long time to be married to someone with an addiction that bad. It also sheds a whole new light to when Tinsley was on Housewives and they were kind of accusing her of drinking a lot. Remember, they were like, oh, I think that's vodka at 11, 11 a.m. So maybe she herself has a little bit of an alcohol issue. I mean, how much of addiction is genetic? There's a person. It's, it's a lot. Very, I mean, it's, yeah. it's very high. Yeah. So anyway, George died in 2015. He was only 68. Um, oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, there's not that much about Dale that we don't know, to be honest. You know, she's from Richmond. She still, I believe, has a home there. She lives in Palm Beach and works as an interior designer there, according to the internet. Um, and she also designs in Manhattan. It does not say New York City. It said Manhattan. Um, wow. Yeah. And she was on High Society, The Real Housewives of New York City, and Dr. Phil's Meddling Moms. Oh, was that yeah. a show or like just an episode of Dr. Phil? I'm going to have to look this up. I don't know, but it's something I think we need to watch. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to find that for sure. Yeah. Um, so she was on Meddling Moms with Tinsley, of course. But of course, Dale, Dale's still out there doing Dale things. And being Tinsley's mom was a big part of anything she's done in the last 10 years plus. So, yeah. Yep. Well, that's that's Dale. That's more, that's more Tinsley's grandfather than anybody else. But, you know, he sounded so nice, everybody. He sounded so nice. All right. We begin this episode. It's Thursday. And we are at Tinsley's Loft. Is that what they've always been calling it, by the way? A loft? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they have. Okay. I miss that. She is getting her hair and makeup done. And she is getting trashed in the press. And she's going to Rose. And she's going to take matters into her own hands. 
And she's going to the birthday party of the former Page Six editor tonight and is going to pull her aside. I don't know what a former editor is supposed to do about current news, but <laughs> what do I know? Uh, well, so I thought that they, they, it wasn't that she wanted her to change the news. She was going to go talk to her about how she should deal with it. Like how she could handle it better, I think was her intention. That's what ends up happening. It's still, in, it's an interesting approach. Hire a PR person, Tinsley. That's my real advice. So then Alexandra arrives. Haven't seen her in quite a while. And this is where we get the soundbite and she calls Devorah delusional piece of white trash. Yeah. And I also thought that, and maybe this is just me projecting, but everything she said and her outrage seemed very fake to me. It seemed very staged and scripted. Yeah. They probably said, hey, Alexandra, we haven't seen you in months. We need you to show up and say this. Yeah. I mean, her even her delivery, like it just it seemed like someone doing some bad acting is yeah. what it seemed like to me. Now, yeah. who wasn't doing some bad acting was Dale. our girl Dale. Oh, my. Who could not even contain the glee on her face. As she's talking about how her daughter is being trashed in the press. That's what my note says. She looks thrilled. Thrilled. She, she is nearly laughing as she says, Tinsley's just getting pounded in the papers. Yeah. Like thrilled about it. <laughs> yeah. And so then Dale is also at the loft. So we're getting her confessional and her at the loft side by side. And she's, speaking hypothetically to Tinsley in the loft and she says you don't you don't want them to think oh Tinsley's a failure and my first thought was because you think that Dale yeah it came out so harsh it came out so harsh and Dale is actually giving Tinsley good advice though and she's saying you need to approach this woman and shut it down you can do it like a lady but do it and Tinsley says mommy that's mean though I, that pushed me over the edge. I mean, and it just goes to show, because basically what Dale says is like, you need to tell her that you were never friends, that she misinterpreted your relationship and that, you know, it was a business thing. You were on her magazine and that's the end of that. And Tinsley's like, oh, I can't, that mommy, that's mean. First of all, mommy, whatever. Second of all, this woman is saying horrible things about you in the newspaper and you're worried about just confronting her about it in the face-to-face -face and not even going to the press. I mean, the whole thing, but it really just goes to show you and I wonder if it was because of her dad, if Tinsley's just used to like being the peacemaker and placating and like, I mean, I guess it is kind of like Al-Anon, the child of an addict behavior, but I'm like, stand up for yourself for a minute, girl. Like, why Absolutely. do you let everybody walk the fuck all over you? Absolutely. And Tinsley also had such an opportunity by being pounded in the press to respond in the press, but still do it nicely. She could have said, it's unfortunate Devorah feels that way. I really appreciated being on the cover of her magazine. I have a very different version of events. She could have come in over the top and actually, she was much more known than Devorah. Yeah. Also, I can't stop laughing at the phrase pounded in the press because it makes it sound like she started in OnlyFans. Pounded in the papers. Oh, pounded in the papers. Yep. Sounds yep. like she started in OnlyFans. <laughs> but you have to say it with a Southern accent and a bit of pride. You have to look happy about it. So then we go to Hudson Terrace, I believe. Yeah, and we do, which we've already discussed before because um, what's her face went the jewels went there. So we know it's open, it's still thriving, okay. whatever. 
Oh, is that where they were talking to the elevator attendant? Yep. No, oh, and by yep. talking to, I mean kind of harassing. Demeaning, yeah. Paul is meeting up with Tommy and he feels bad that he made Tommy cry and wants but, to make up with him. But he doesn't. No. Because um, we know someone who is Paul and <laughs> says these things when he actually is living for it. Like when he was like, oh, I made him cry. He's thrilled he made him cry. He's still the power to make him cry. He thinks it gives him the upper hand. Like Paul is not upset that he made him cry at all. No. And in his confessional, he says something that there's a difference in where they both come from sort of implying that Tommy is low rent. And it's just rude. It's very rude. Well, but I mean, are you shocked? Because when he no. was yelling about Tommy last time, he was like, what do you mean I'm social climbing? Like you're social climbing with me. Like I am the top of the ladder. Like he obviously thinks he's way better than Tommy. And I feel like that's how he is mentally justifying being with him. Because even though Paul like, I think truly does think he's rich. He's got to know. I think his whole I'm a hot thing is a front. I think he really has terrible self-esteem and doesn't think he's hot yes, at all. And course. so I think to him, I can be with this hot model and not feel as insecure because I'm the one with all the power and the money. And so it balances out. I feel like then his twisted little brain, like that's his thought process. Save Tommy. <laughs> Hashtag save Tommy. Yeah. Maybe I'll try and find Tommy for a next snob story, but I'll have to call it something else because he seems like a nice individual. I also appreciated that Tommy said to Paul, I've never been with someone so dramatic <laughs> because one, it was funny, but two, dramatic is a nice word for it. Yeah, dramatic is a nice word for it. And I love that Paul was like, ah, we're like opposites attract. Like I'm dramatic and you're just so stable. I'm just like, and I he... want to throw you off the roof of Hudson Terrace. Paul says that Tommy is the first guy he's feeling vulnerable about lies and allegations. Yeah, no. But then but then they kiss. But it I wasn't mean, much of a kiss. I mean, again, it's hard to tell no. with the bad quality, but I think it was just like a smooch. I don't and, think they were like tonguing each other down. And then Paul tells him he's a good kisser. And that's nice, but no, I don't know. I don't want to yeah. watch Paul. I don't want to watch Paul do that. No, no one does. <laughs> um. So then we go to Nave at Le Parker Meridian, right? Which is temporarily closed. Okay. I think it's been closed since COVID. So I feel like the temporarily is done because it said temporarily closed on Google Maps. I went to the website for the hotel. Um, it had a link to the Crave Facebook page and they have posted nothing since um, our Nave Facebook page since 2019. So okay. I think it's probably permanently closed, but it's a temporary closed. Okay. And this is where we get Dale defending Tinsley, probably for the first time in her life, but she does it really well. She does do it really well. And I also feel like this is one of the fakest fucking things we've ever seen on the show. And there's been a lot of fake shit on the show. Yeah. So Dale is there to meet up with Devorah. And Devorah comes in like the kiss ass that she is and says, oh, how gorgeous are you? Dale points out that <laughs> Devorah is just a big set of lips. <laughs> Which I can't even imagine how Dale feels about the world in 2022. I know. Because if she thought those were big lips in 2010, like she must never leave the house out of lip trauma. For me, it's fake eyelashes. Women on TV these days, I don't understand. The eyelids look so heavy. I, they just, that can't feel comfortable. It just can't. But at least they come off. 
That's true. Like giant fake lips you're fucking stuck with. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So Dale brings up this article and it was in, there are a couple different places they say it is, but they say the New York magazine online. Is that what they say? Oh, I didn't catch that. I was too busy listening to Dale say that she was going to spank her. Yeah, I know. Um, So anyway, Dale brings up the article and Devorah says, you must have been hurt as well. And Dale is not not having it whatsoever. She says in her confessional, Devorah appears somewhat common to me. Ooh, here comes Mm -hmm. Dale with with her (laughs) snobbery. Here she comes. And then she says that her daughters are good girls. And that Tinsley was not Devorah's friend. And she says that Devorah comes across as someone who desperately wants to be liked and accepted, but she's not at that level. Ooh, ooh. Quite the dressing down. <laughs> yeah. Devorah said she felt used and that as soon as Tinsley got a cover of her magazine, she disappeared. They were in communication. They would text. They would have, have breakfast. breakfast. Have breakfast together, yes. And Dale's not buying that either. Um. And she says Tinsley had a lot of covers before she did social life. And Tinsley doesn't need to be made by you or anybody. It's a pretty good line. It is a pretty good line. I was pretty proud of Dale, actually. You know, standing up for her daughter is the one thing she really needed to do this entire season of this show. She's doing it with the wrong person, but I'm, I'm liking it anyway. So then Devorah can't take the heat and she cries. And does she cry? Because with the quality of the picture, I couldn't tell if there were tears coming out at or not. I heard noises. I saw fingers to the face. Her face did not look wet to me. I did not see any tears coming down. And because of all her fillers and Botox, it's, it's physically hard for her to cry, I think. So she, there's the implication that she cries. (laughs) (laughs) And So Dale says to her, if you're going to, she says it wrong, but she says, if you're going to give darts, you have to be able to receive them. You mean if you're going to throw darts, you have to be. (laughs) Well, and let's not forget at this point, Devorah has left. Devorah gets up and like leaves and Dale chases her out under the street. Yes. And then Dale sort of ends the scene with her confessional by saying that girls who are raised properly don't do these things. And... You believe whatever you want to believe, but your daughters have done some things that people who are raised properly don't do either. A hundred percent. Well, we can't we, speak for Daphne, but we can speak for Tinsley definitely has. I'm going to go ahead and say being a roommate of Jules is something True. that Fair you know, point. Someone, Fair who, point. Someone, someone who was raised properly wouldn't do. But now Devorah being on the show and all of the stuff that they were showing Devorah do earlier in the season makes sense if their end game was to always have Dale dress her down like this, because now I get it. Now I understand. Because before I was like, why is Tinsley, why is as a producer, like, why is she doing this? Like, why is she making herself look so bad? But I was like, oh, if it was all lead up to Dale, like knocking her down a couple pegs and really trashing her and making her look stupid. I'm like, now I get it. Yeah. But at the same time, it was satisfying. Oh, it was very satisfying. Very satisfying. Yeah. So then we have a very short scene where we go to a place in Greenwich Village, right? For Mm -hmm. Paula Freelich's birthday party. And she's the former editor of Page Six. And Tinsley used to be afraid of her. And now she wants to figure out how to get the gossip writers on her side. 
Well, and first I have to say for Tinsley, as someone who was recently accused of looking like a wedding cake, her dress is a bold choice. It's It looks like a figure skating outfit. Yeah. I thought it was also very wedding cake reminiscent. Yes, except it's pink. Yeah, I bet pink and like frills everywhere. And I'm sure it was Marquesa. I know it was ridiculous. But I also, I mean, this also goes back to Tinsley just being a doormat because she says that this Paula woman also trashed her all the time in page six when she was the editor there. But she goes to her birthday party at like, what the fuck? I also- like, I guess She wanted advice, but like, why would you go to someone's birthday party who like has been saying shitty things about you in the press for years? The reason I didn't buy any of this is that, so Tinsley is now producing a show about her life that we are watching. And she later goes on to do Housewives and all these things. There is no way in hell that Tinsley did not have a PR person or a manager or somebody to deal with some of this stuff for her. And she's, act she's acting like this innocent young fawn. Oh, I didn't know what to do when my name was in the paper. I didn't even know I could call them and correct it. I, I just, it's dumb. I don't know why they included it. I'm glad yeah. it was short. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's full of shit. Agreed. Um, so then it is Friday. And we are at the Equinox Gym in Columbus Circle. And Jules is working out. Jules is working out. Yep. And she's upset about the hotel. And she's in shock. And mm -hmm. she says it's a really big deal and that it's on the internet. Where and people are talking about it at her dad's racket club. Yeah, she says that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to know where it is on the internet because that further proves that she did get the internet scrubbed. She 100% um, did because there is nothing. Because I will, like, my clients will come in and I'll talk about I'm like, oh my God, this show, like, people who watch reality, I'm like, this woman, Jules Kirby, is probably the worst person I've ever seen on reality TV. One of the worst, if not the worst. And I'll say, but you, if you Google her, nothing comes up. And so they're like, that can't be possible. And I'll be doing their hair and they Google her name and nothing comes up. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. So she says too, that she is sick of the gossip circle, implying Tinsley and Dabney and this whole scene, you know, classic somebody who is the problem thinking everybody else is the problem. Of course. Yeah. So then we see Dale, Dale's having a heck of an episode. She goes to a dating service. Selective dating services, which is still in existence. They have offices in every major metropolitan city. And Claire Wexler, the woman she meets with, is the vice president of the company. Well done. I did, I did note her name. And this is an exclusive dating service that people have to pass interviews. And there is sort of a deposit or a fee that starts at $20,000, we learn. Yes. For women. Yes. Dale. It's more for men. Yes. Dale says in her confessional, she believes the fee for men was $100,000. I couldn't find any proof of that at all. I could find nothing about men. But when I was Googling, the woman $20,000 thing did come up. But I couldn't find any figures for men. Okay. The woman also says that they are marriage-minded, not mattress-minded. <laughs> Well, there you go. I wonder, though, now thinking about it, they may not be able to charge like that anymore because of sexual discrimination laws. Oh, yeah. Because, um, like at my work, we can't call haircuts. We're legally not allowed to say a men's cut or a woman's cut. It has to be barber's cut or designer haircut. Like you can't. In fact, there was a salon that got sued for that when a woman with short hair, and rightfully so. Like, yeah, you said charged that. charged more. 
So I, I bet now there's no way they'd be allowed legally to charge more for men than women. Interesting. Um, and Dale actually smiles at the $20,000 and says that it's cheap. Yeah. Well, dropping a bucket to her. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so she says she doesn't want to date a prince. Princes are not all they appear to be. She has serious problems with royalty. Yeah. I mean, Cassie has just ruined every royal for her across Forever. The yeah. There's not a single prince that Dale's interested in. He has to dance and he has to make Dale laugh. And she says that she's had a sporadic love life after her divorce and she wants to fall in love. It's time to jump back in. Um, I also hope that Claire Wexler put some tarping or plastic down in her couch because I'm pretty sure Dale is wet by the end of that interview because she was like, I'm so excited. <laughs> this office too. I mean... I thought it was the woman's apartment. I didn't even realize at first it was supposed to be an office. I mean, that is where women like Dale go to find love. That's that's where they go. It is, I, I can't describe it. It just, it looks like a grandma's apartment again, but yeah. a, an expensive one, I guess. So then it's sort of in the last scene in two parts, we are with one Deborah Rose and she is getting in a Maybach and makes a point of saying how much she loves Maybachs as it's happening and she is the face of Danela Brazil, which is a bikini company, and they are having a launch party at the Grace Hotel. And it's owned by, I guess, her friend, who is Nelia Granzotti Rudin. So I did look up the bikinis, and I saw some on Poshmark and things like that. So they existed at some point. I looked it up as well. The last, like, true kind of like press I could find about it was 2012. Yeah. Like same. they and every like the same thing. Like everything that was for sale was like either older stock or used or whatever. So it's definitely not a brand anymore. What I thought was really interesting is that even though it's being touted as a Brazilian bikini line, um Nelia's middle or I'm assuming her maiden name, which will be the first of her two last names, is super Italian. And the name of the line is Danela and with a D-I apostrophe Nila, that's Italian. Like that's of Nelia, like in Italian. So I, it's weird to me that it's, I mean, maybe it's the same in Portuguese. I don't know, but. I was going to say that would be my guess. Or maybe she was just trying to capitalize on that whole Giselle Bunchen bikini Brazilian thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean but definitely Granzotti is like an Italian, I mean, it's G-R-A-N-Z-O-T-I. Like that is a very Italian name. Hmm. Although, I mean, Italian people live in Brazil, so. True. They're everywhere. They're uh, everywhere. So we are at this launch party at the Grace Hotel. And it's an, I mean, I get that it's a bikini launch, but we are basically in the basement of this hotel, like in their basement pool. Oh, and sidebar, the hotel is closed. No longer okay. exists. Look it up. It's gone. Okay. Um, it's just interesting that we look like we're in a grotto. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I appreciate that maybe it wasn't the time of year for a rooftop pool launch, but it's just a little, I don't know, something about it struck me as kind of odd. Um, it to like, me it had a very like Roman or Turkish bath vibe. Yeah, it just didn't seem like a bikini party. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so according to Deborah, everything is amazing, it's going perfect. And she was made the face of Danela Brazil because the designer loves the way the suits fit on her. So then Jules. Kirby shows oh, up. Oh, wait. First, Devorah says one of the most nonsense things ever, which is, 
I love bikinis. If I could go to sleep in a bikini, I would. Well, who the fuck is stopping you, Devorah? <laughs> Who's stopping you from going to sleep in a bikini? Who said you can't? Who lives in your house and says, uh-oh, time for bed. Take off the bikini. I Like, <laughs> what the fuck? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, she's, uh, yeah. So Jules shows up and she also goes on and on about how much she loves bikinis. Everybody yeah, loves bikinis. Thousands of them. Yeah, thousands of bikinis. And she calls Devorah a white male woman thing. Um, this entire scene was just a festival of transphobia, like shooting out of Jules' mouths like lasers. She is there. She's almost so horrifically bigoted that it's circled back to like she hates everyone. Yeah. Well, I, I was like, she almost hates the whole world equal. Like, is there any minority that you are not marginalizing and trashing? And I mean, I just couldn't believe like the extreme. And quite frankly, I found it a little ironic because if anyone has more masculine features, it's Jules. Yeah. It's, it's really messy. So they start trading insults pretty much immediately. Um, but I... I'm team Devorah on this one just because Jules is such a garbage dump. And Devorah says she can smell the patheticness coming off of Jules. She's racist, homophobic, and an empty carcass of a human. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was here for, for Devorah's rant. Yeah. So then Jules says something to her, looking her up and down. And when we saw the scenes from the next, I wondered, why is Devorah in a bikini? And now I know. Um so Jules says something to the effect, and I tried to write it down, and she says, I didn't know this was some suit replacement shit. What does oh, that I mean? I didn't hear that. Yeah. Well, the bleeps start flying pretty pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Well, because there was one thing where I couldn't tell if she said fag or what. Like, there was something that was bleeped out, and it wasn't fucker shit. Like, it was some, like, yeah. slur, and I don't know what it was. Interesting. Okay. So then Devorah says something to the effect of, do you want to know what the difference between us is? I'm doing something with my life. I'm the face of this line. No one invited you. They're yelling. And Devorah says that at least she has a job. They're talking about their names and their birthdays. So your name's not even Devorah Rose. And she says, your name's not Jules either. You say that darling is your middle name. It's not. And then there's something about their birthday. Like, I was confused about the birthday thing because first I thought she was trying to imply that Devorah was trying to imply that Jules lies about her birthday. But then Jules was like, my friends celebrate my birthday twice a year. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't, I, I couldn't figure out what the fight was about right. or the birthday thing. And then there's something about St. Bart's and Devorah says, I went to St. Bart's and no one's ever heard of you. Devorah calls Jules ugly and Jules says, no one knows where the fuck you come from. She's got a fake body, a fake face, and everyone thinks you're a man and no one's going to buy these bikinis. So I'm on Devorah's side for most of this. And then Jules walks away and Devorah, she, I actually think she remained pretty calm despite all the insults and back and forth about nonsense. And then Devorah decides to follow Jules. <laughs> Which I don't, if I was the owner of this bikini company, I'd yeah. be like, you're the face of my product. This is my product launch. It's a fashion show. Like security would have just whisked Jules out of there instantly. 
Like again, this is why I'm like, this is not real. Yeah, right. And Devar just straight up throws a drink at her. Um, well, first she throws a drink at her, and then she throws a glass at her. Yeah. And Jules throws one back. Oh yeah. And as Devorah, and the funny thing is, Devorah tries to do it in a way she's passing it off as classy. She's she comes at her while she's drinking a glass of champagne or something and says, It is so classless to hurl insults and walk away, and then straight up throws a drink at her. It's like, no, just drop the mic and walk away with your champs. Well, and were the I couldn't tell again because of the picture quality, were the glasses made of plastic? Because she clocks Jules in the face with it. I didn't hear any see any breaking glass when it fell to the ground. And Jules did not seem that hurt. No, they I'm given the basement grotto vibe, I'm going to say they were plastic. Plastic, yeah, it would have to be. Um, I wonder if production put some glass breaking sounds into it to make it sound more dramatic. Oh, I didn't even notice glass breaking sounds. I feel like they were ill-timed or something like that. I don't know. I should have rewound. We'll say another Devorah nonsensical statement that she makes during this. It was in her confessional that also had me laughing was she's not even trash. She's a receptacle for trash. So she's a trash can. Is that what you're trying to say, Devorah? <laughs> trying to call her a trash can? And is a trash can worse than trash? No. I don't think it is. No, it's not. I mean, it's not great. But I'd rather yeah. be a trash can than trash. Yeah. And as Devorah walks away after this glass throwing, Jules says, for a man, she looks amazing in a bikini. Yeah. I just put like more transphobic nonsense from Jules in my notes. Yeah. So then the next scene, we are still at this party, mind you. Jules has been told to leave. She got a glass thrown at her. She's not leaving. We're not leaving. And now it's round two for Jules because Dabney shows up and they want to talk about what went down at the hotel. Yep. And Jules says that they've been, or maybe Dabney says it, they've been BBMing, but they haven't seen each other since Jules was asked to leave. Well, and we forgot to mention that Jules is with her little Asian friend. Chloe? Is that her name? Cleo. Cleo. Was it Cleo or was it someone else? I again, the picture quality is horrible. It was yeah. like a beautiful Asian woman with the same hair, but they never gave her a title card at all. That's and why I, I'm kind of hoping it's not because this girl was a monster. That's and why I be, didn't think it was Cleo. They didn't put her name on it, and Cleo would have said something to the like, calm down, Jules, and this person didn't. I am gobsmacked that that means that Jules does not have one, but she has at least two friends of color. That it was did the not see that, that coming. Right. That was the reason I thought it was Cleo. Yeah. It didn't look like Cleo. I, I again, like the picture quality is so horrible for me yeah. that I couldn't, I mean, I, I could not tell. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Dabney is being polite when she first sits down about the whole hotel thing and she says, you know, I miss you. It's weird being there without you, which is a polite thing to say because it's clearly a lie. And they start talking about the fight supposedly outside of the hotel. And Jules maintains that she was kicked out for something she didn't do. And Dabney says, Jules, you were on thin ice for a while with the staff and throwing things, etc." And Jules says, this is embarrassing for me. People are talking about it at my father's racket club. And Dabney's not buying it. 
she's not taking any of the blame for the fact that Jules got kicked out. And I don't, I don't blame her for that. And then Jules implies that it was Dabney who was having a fight out front. Yeah. With some guy, like someone we've never heard of met or seen. And I believe the guy that was with her in this scene was like a random gay, like some gay friend. He's read gay as gay to me. So I think it's just some random gay friend of hers. Jules so has, are we trying to say that she has a boyfriend or that she's fighting? I don't know. It was confusing. So Jules says Dabney was fighting with Mark. Yeah. Who the fuck we is were, Mark? we were all partying and Dabney was the one outside fighting with Mark. And the Asian friend who may or may not be Cleo says, well, the hotel mistook one blonde for another. I don't, I don't believe that either. I know. I don't either. <laughs> um, so Dabney and Jules are going back and forth about, I'm not taking blame for this. You have to take a little bit of blame, blah, blah, blah. And then Dabney storms away and yells at production and says, I'm not, I'm not talking about the hotel. I'm not debating this with her. I'm not going to get blamed for her getting asked to leave when she was a monster. And <laughs> that's about that. She asks Jules if she's taking crazy pills. And she also asks the friend, are you drunk? Yeah. So yeah. Both are very possible. Yeah. And then Dabney in her confessional says, it's time that I step away from this friendship. So. 100%. I do want to do some more Googling about Dabney, Mark, Empire Hotel. And I should have done that before this episode. Does it matter if Dabney got in an argument with her boyfriend outside the hotel? No, Jules because Jules is a fucking monster. Like, it's right. not like she should have been kicked out even if she didn't have a fight. Like, she was horrible. Right. Right. That's what I, 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 that's why I'm so team Dabney. You were the one accosting the staff and throwing things and vomiting and yelling at everyone. It doesn't matter that I got into an argument with my may or may not be boyfriend outside. And how bad was this fight? I, that's what I want. I mean, obviously it wasn't physical. So it must've just been screaming out front of the hotel. They said something about throwing plates. I thought. Oh, that is Jewel. There is, I don't, I mean, granted, it's Dabney's family show. And if she was throwing plates, they may have edited it out. But I can't even picture that from her. No, and how would a plate get outside? Were they eating outside? <laughs> or, oh, maybe the fight happened in the hotel room. The guy left and she was hanging out the window, fighting with him and throwing plates from the hotel room down to the street. Maybe. But when they kick Jules out, Dabney's not even there. I know. I mean, obviously it's not true. I mean, Jules is a psychopath. Yeah. I mean, I think Dabney committed a minor offense at the Empire Hotel, whereas Jules, commi Jules committed 100, and then they asked Jules to leave over the... I believe Jules in that maybe Dabney did something this one night that was very minor compared to everything she's ever done, but she's just going to hang on to that for dear of life. Of course. Of course yeah. she is. Yeah. But I, I really want to know what it is, to be honest. So <laughs> it's my bad. It's my bad, guys. I should have looked it up. But that's it for this episode. Next time we get the, oh, guest, oh. We get the guest of a guest party, which should be interesting. Mm -hmm. More Paul and Tommy. That's my only note. Topper is at Tinsley's apartment at three o'clock in the morning, something like that. It's five in the morning, I believe. Five and okay. five thirty in the morning. Okay. Um, Dale Dale goes on a date. Mm-hmm. And Tinsley makes out with that Constantine dude from American Idol. 
Yeah, Tinsley flirts with an American Idol loser. He's not. And he's, he's such a loser that I had to, I was like, oh, I think that's the guy from American Idol. And I Googled his name and like nothing even came up. And I had to Google his name with Rock of Ages because I remember that was the play he was in and they showed a shot of it. And then it finally came up. So he's like barely Googleable even these days. So where to go, Tins? Yeah. And he was I, not cute. No. He's not cute. No. He's tall. That's about it. Tinsley's into it too. <laughs> it looked you real. Know, I feel like Tinsley would be the perfect, like, I hope he's single. Like, I could really see her with Chris Angel. I, he gave me Chris Angel vibes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly what I thought. He is kind of like a dollar store Chris Angel. So I, I feel like Trinsley would thrive with, like, the real real McCoy. <laughs> yeah, they really dated, too. Pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. So buckle up for some black magic. or. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine how Dale is going to feel that she's dating a long-haired guy who's in a heavy metal rock opera. And didn't even win American Idol. And I, I so I'm not an Idol watcher, but when I did Me look either. at her, he, he, not, he didn't even come close. No. He was like seventh runner-up. Yeah. Yeah, well. Well, actually, Dale's reaction to uh, Constantine might be what keeps me motivated for the next two episodes. So thank you for that. There you go. My pleasure. <laughs> Um, so this episode, will we, we'd be seeing every, well, everybody before Christmas? Yes. We'll have one more episode before Christmas. Yes. All right. Well then I'm not wishing anyone happy holidays yet. Um, cause Hanukkah is also around Christmas time this year. So we'll cover that next episode. Perfect. Everybody have a wonderful December. I hope everyone's getting all of their December stuff done and we'll talk to you in a few weeks. Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at One Hit Pod. You can email us at franklymarebee at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at Hey It's Mare B. Please remember to rate and subscribe. And have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>